welcome to the Breaking Wax Podcast. All right, thanks for joining me. This is the Breaking Wax Podcast. I'm Don, and today I have George from the One of One documentary. This is season two, episode 17, I believe. So what's up, George? How's it going? Don, I appreciate you having me on, brother. Oh, 100%. You know, I uh, I saw someone posted a clip um, of the documentary you're doing, and I hadn't heard of it, and I don't remember who posted it. And I was like, oh, man, what is this? So I clicked on it, and I watched the trailer, and it just got me interested. So I was like, man, let me see if this guy wants to come on and talk about it. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate that 100%. Um, I was supposed to record with Josh Luber this week, but he had to cancel. So I got to reschedule with him. But like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. So, but you said you're uh, going to the Angels game today. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be sitting behind the plate in a few hours to see, in my opinion, the greatest baseball player that we that we have right now nowadays, and Shohei Otani. Um, he's batting leadoff. He's also pitching. Obviously, everybody knows it's very uncommon for for a player to be able to do both especially right. in the same game. So uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch. And I just happen to be in town. It's it's a no-brainer if uh, if I'm going to be here, you know? Right. The, the game's in L.A.? It's uh, it's in Anaheim tonight. It's in L.A. Okay. They're playing the Astros. Um, as a Yankee fan, obviously, not a big Astros guy. Right, so right. I'm, wear, I'm wearing the hat just to remind the Astros fans, the Astros players that, uh, you know, the Yankees travel well. and We don't forget. It, it should be pretty um, – Nothing's like Yankee Stadium. So I'm actually a Yankees fan. Um, okay. My wife's from uh, Jamaica, Queens. I was stationed in New York twice. I've lived there for seven years out of my adult life. So I'm actually a Yankees fan. Um, there's nothing like Yankee Stadium. And other stadiums don't have that same kind of energy. So I, I doubt anyone even says anything to you, period. I, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not worried, you know. As long as we don't, you know. As long as there's not a, a, a plethora of Astros fans there and, and everybody's just, you know, enjoying the game, I'm sure there won't be anything to worry about. Yeah, it should be a good it should be a good game. I, I think um Otani, whether people want to say it or not, like so he had the greatest baseball season ever last year. Um if he can stay healthy and keep it up, he he might end up being the greatest baseball player of all time, right? And people don't like to hear that, but it's just facts. He's doing unbelievable things. Something that a lot of people don't they don't talk about because obviously he draws the comparison to Babe Ruth. Um, right. Babe Ruth never did both in one season. It wasn't what he did. He spent you know a decade hitting and a decade pitching and on and off pitching. Um, this guy Otani again, he, he does it all under one year, and it's you know it's truly special. And I think it won't be appreciated for a long time as it should be you know right now, but. Again, you can't you can't force people to look at things the same way as you know, obviously we're looking at right. it in a similar light, but right, right. Yeah, what uh what do you think about the Yankees and their offseason moves? Uh I, I, it was a little little different than we're used to. We're a little older than than I would like to be. We're we're like the old man group at this right. point. Um but I I'm a big prospector. I collect a lot of Bowman first, so I'll tell you that Anthony Volpe's like my biggest investment that I, I'm a part of. So the Yankees not forcing the shortstop issue and going after like these bridge guys, whether it be, you know, for Donaldson, uh, the shortstop they brought in who has that extremely complicated name that I haven't heard Michael K say a thousand right. times yet where I could pronounce it. Um, they're going in like a veteran heavy direction. And look, these guys know how to win. Could they stay healthy? Could they, could they hold on? I don't know. I really don't know what to expect. And, you know, but they're the Yankees, so, you know, you're right, going right. to be there at some point. My, my problem being a Yankees fan in the last few years, and I feel like they don't talk about it as enough, is that uh, but it's great that one through nine hits over 20 home runs. The pitching rotation is what I'm more disappointed in, is that they haven't fixed that. Like, it just seems like the last couple of years to win a World Series, you need more than one ace, and we haven't had that in a long time. They went out and they got Cole, and then, you know, Cole – spits the biscuit in the big game last year. And, yep. you know, it, it's – the pitching has been obviously the downfall of this team for the last six years. And, you know, the, the bats have always kept it in them in, in, in the game and in the, in the season. And I've always made a run because of the hitting. But, right. truthfully, it's uh, – it, it relies on the arms. And we've had a great bullpen. It's right. just the, the, the rotation has just been, you know, 
it's been kind of ass. And I hate to use that, that yeah. kind of terminology, but that's what it nah, is. Yeah, it is what it is. And I think um, it's been some bad luck, too, and some poor decisions, right? Like, I thought Herman could have really came on and did great. Um, and then he had the domestic abuse charges and missed a bunch of games. And, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see. I mean, we still, I think, have one of the greatest closers, but we'll see what happens. Um, I just remain optimistic for the Yankees. Yeah. You know, you can always say it's it's the Yankees. You know, you could be a Mets fan. It, it could be a lot worse. Oh, but it could be a lot worse. Like, the Mets assume that the bad's going to happen. The Yankees, we, we sit here and we're like, all right, well, we're going to make the playoffs and you truly never know what's, what happens once October rolls around. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I thought that the, the, the Grom news on April 1st was an April Fool's joke. And then when it wasn't, I was like, geez, that is And now it's Scherzer. Horrible. And, right, and, right. And it's – it's. I have a lot of Met fan buddies, and I got a lot of guys in the hobby who are big Met fans that are in my circle. And, you know, they were so excited for this season, and you're starting to see it. But, you know, as a, as a non-Met fan, I watch it every year, so – I was right. just waiting for the cookie to start to crumble and the it's mess it, to and, begin. And it happened before the season even started. I, I don't ever wish anyone to get hurt, but it makes no, me happy. It just makes me happy only because my father-in-law is a Mets fan. So, so I'm just being, I'm being, I'm being nice. And again, I wish, I wish nothing but, but the best health for everybody out there in the world. Right, right. Um, it's just inevitable at this point. It's like, it's like Jet fans, right? You talk yep. to a Jet fan in August. They're excited. You talk to a Jeff fan nowadays with the draft coming up, they're excited. You talk to a Jeff fan in October, it's the same story every year. It's, we stink and, you know, we can't we can't get out of our own way. And, and truthfully, yeah. that's, that's what life of being a Jeff fan is all about, being a Mets fan. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a Jags fan, so I understand that completely. So You don't get that torture, though, so it's a little different torture. I'll show you on that. Yeah, I've been to some Jets games. It's, it's rough for sure. But – uh. So I, you know, the main thing is the documentary, right? So I guess what what's your background and how did how did this all come about? Because I know in the trailer you said that um, you didn't even own a baseball card up until some point. And uh, if people are listening, they should definitely go to your page and look at your PC because everyone always talks about Shine, but gosh, man, I I don't think they're talking about your PC enough. Holy cow! I, I like it. I truthfully like it that way. I, I don't want a million people like you know hammering me about can I buy this card, that card. A lot of my stuff has been investment pieces, but I'll tell you this. I come from a, a lineage of filmmakers. Um, I've always supported someone else's dream in the sense of I've always made someone else's project and I'm brought on as a producer and I've made documentaries. I've made TV shows. I've been a part of some films. Um, so my grandmother's sister was the first one to move to LA 50 plus years ago and create this, you know, this lane for my family to be able to, work inside a show business and she was a big producer from everything from pulp fiction to all the batman movies all the tim burton movies in the 90s so she was obviously successful um she opens the lane for my uncle my mom's brother to move to la in the late 80s early 90s and he's made a, a fine fine career for himself and then i moved out here and i'm working for both my aunt my uncle and a bunch of other ind independent projects and I worked as an executive assistant for some some bigger, you know, bigger players right. in the industry. Uh, but it just never was for me. And I've always wanted to tell real stories. Um, so I was blessed to be a part of a couple of really good documentaries um, that I supported that weren't truly mine or I could call my own. So during COVID, we were brainstorming a bunch of ideas. Uh, there was a, a nightclub in Manhattan back in the day called the tunnel and we were prospecting doing a, a documentary with, with funk flex about that. Uh, we were thinking about nice. doing uh, a project about, you know, what, what COVID sparked through politics. And, you know, that, that's another project that to me, it's not as fun as I'm watching all my friends rip all this, these, this, these baseball cards and football cards and basketball cards. And I'm just hanging around watching and I'm like, what, what in the hell are you guys doing? And they're right. like, you don't understand. Like, if we hit this John Moran card, if we hit this Zion Williamson card, it's worth this. I'm like, you know, but it seems childish, you know. And then finally, you know, my buddy pulls, you know, he pulls a card that I think it was the the blue Zion. And at that point, it was like a $20,000 card or 25000 right. And I watched the process happen. And then uh, I watched somebody else pull out a binder of, of Pokemon cards. And he had a couple of original Charizards. And I watched him pull in 
a couple hundred grand just off that. And now I'm sitting here and I'm trying to find the next idea for, you know, my first project to take home. Right. And I'm like, this is the project. Like, this is, this is really interesting. People are willing to pay this amount of money to buy trading cards. I got to think it's interesting. And now I'm starting to watch the industry. And if you, one thing that you could tell, it's a lot of drama in this industry. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of, a lot of people love to fight with each other in this industry. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow. I'm like, so this could be like, you know, some sort of like a real housewives, Tiger King, just a ridiculous atmosphere of people that are going nuts. And at this point, I don't own one card. This is right at the beginning of 2021, January 21. I don't own a single card. I literally don't. I have, I have not right. even opened the box at this point. And I watched my buddy hit that Zion, and now I'm starting to get the, you know, the itch in a way. So I start getting involved. I call my partner up, and uh, I'm like, all right, let's get the crew together, and let's start filming. I don't know what we're filming, but let's go shop to shop, breaker to breaker, and let's just try and figure this out as, as we go on. And as we progressed in the project, and we're meeting bigger people, and, you know, more networking is happening, I'm getting more obsessed by the minute. Yep. And I'm now spending, you know, my, my 10 o'clock at night to 6 a.m. watching every breaker from, you know, Mamba, Lil P, Pull Wax. And I'm just spending, 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 spending. And truthfully losing and wasting a lot of money um, breaking cards. and Because I didn't know what I was really doing. And, and opening right, everything. Right, right. Everyone does that. Everyone does Co that. Correct. And I knew it at some point, like three and a half months in, we're at the Dallas Card Show. And I'm filming a 17-year-old kid who's about to go to college, um, open a $35,000 box of opulence. And I'm just like, this, this type of stuff, like when I was 17, like we didn't have $35 to spare, you know, like right. this guy's got 35000 to to basically waste because if you don't hit a handful of cards, the product, you know, is the ROI is not there. It's, it's just cardboard. Right. It's just cardboard, right? With yeah, pictures of athletes yeah. on it. Yeah. And at this point now, I'm starting to realize, like, you know, if you're going to rip, you better be ripping the right products. Because yep. um, inevitably, you will lose, but you'd rather limit the amount of loss that you could bring in. And, you know, at that point, I just went all baseball. And I, I kind of brought the story across a little fast. But as we're, you know, going through this journey, um, I've ripped uh, – 100 cases of prism i couldn't tell you uh, outside of a red lamello i didn't really right. hit a card i had right. some big anthony edwards but you know to me it was all for fun and, like, and i enjoyed it i wasn't doing this for let me make as much money as possible right 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 you weren't you weren't looking for the lottery ticket i wasn't i was right. this was my entertainment like i i enjoy this like to me to sit down and and to watch somebody you know open a box for me and you know, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm sitting there. I'm like all excited. That's how I looked at it. I never overextended in a way where, you know, I know a lot of guys who blew themselves out in this industry because there was no self-control. And, you know, yep. that's a big piece of of knowing what's going on. But, you know, I, I probably spent 300000 ripping wax before I woke up one morning and I was like, well, we could just buy the cards. Why why would I chase something? Right, that, right, right. You had that epiphany. Right, you know, like right, right, and I right. think a lot I think a lot of people have that moment and you hope to have it sooner rather than later because money wasted is still money wasted. Um and really we're all chasing the same same stuff, right? So at that point, like I'm now glued to this. I, I can't get away from it. So we, we took a documentary from I'm gonna educate the average consumer on what a card is and what's a break and what's a breaker right. and how to grade the card. And inside that you have my sub story of how I'm ripping a crazy amount of wax. My partners can't get me to just sway away from what we're doing. Like I'm all in 24 seven. It's, it's cardboard, like nothing else that matters to me at this point. And I take it through my journey of, you know, buying a hundred dollar card 16 months ago. And I was like all excited about it to me buying a hundred thousand dollar card now. And, right. you know, take, taking that journey, with me to see that again, like with the right advice and the right people around you, you could make money in this industry. It's not a hundred percent. 
it's not guaranteed to always lose. No, no, but I think um, that's a big thing, and I talk about a lot on here too, is like uh, even though things have changed drastically since COVID, prices are still high. There's still money to be made, but you got to be smart about it. You can still grind your way up. From the $5 cards to the $10 to the 20 you know, there's always somebody out there that wants to buy, sell, or trade, and you can still grind your way up, right? But, you know, it's that old adage, too, of, like, it takes money to make money, so. Sure. Uh, but, like, and, and, and again, there's people play in different realms, right, different arenas. You don't need a million dollars to make money in this industry. No. You really don't. I would say if you had $10,000 right now, you could make a wax play and then three or four singles plays and see what happens and and the wax could double where you know you're free rolling those singles plays you know if you had a hundred dollars there's ways to make money it's the retail you know business which isn't sexy it's marginalized and it's you know in and out very quick money but you know there's a, there's no, a space for everybody right. yeah yeah and it's it's still like there's still trends the trends have been a little weirder but right there's still a lot of up and down up and down so like I invested a small amount in Glaber, right? I'm a Yankees fan, so that's where it's like, is it smart to invest in someone you like? Probably not. But for me, I was like, Glaber is dirt cheap. If he can just come back a little bit. You'll make money. Easy money. Right. So, I mean, like his Bowman first base, 9510s were selling for over a 1000 bucks two years ago. I think I picked up a couple for 150 each. So I was like, eh, that's a good – I'm – Perfectly comfortable losing that if I have to, but I don't think I'm going to. You know what I mean? So what? I'm a, good. I'm a firm believer in, in in buying what nobody else is buying. You buy the opposite of what the, the public is buying. And if Glaber comes back and hits 20 jacks in the first half of the season, you'll probably see that seven eight hundred dollar return back up on the. Oh yeah, easy, easy, right? And that's a. Uh, so is the documentary finished, or are you guys still filming? So. I'm I've been finished with it. The problem with me is um, the I keep I'm so involved in the business day to day that things keep evolving. Things keep changing. And right. I don't want to leave parts of the story out. So, <clears throat> for example, we lived through a, a time where prism color was really, really expensive. Uh, Lamello blues were like 20K at, at one point. Like these cards are doing 6000 now. So. I don't want to crown certain things king in the film where, you know, they were hype and they were hot at one moment. And now they've completely disintegrated to almost nothing of what they were worth at one point. So I'm just showing the trends and the differences even to today, like, or yesterday, the WWE wrestling prism came out, right? That product exploded. Like I want to be able to tell the story through the spring of this year. I want to get through the new prism drops, the new national treasure drops, because what it does is it shows where the market is. So filming I've been done um, on the sense of just adding stuff in and some edits. We're just doing that at this point. We're expecting a release end of May, beginning of June at some point. Uh, We're going to do a private premiere in uh, in Manhattan. Um, We'd love love to have you. And that'll be the first time we show – the hobby, the the film, and then it'll come out. Um, it'll come out on a network that most households in in the United States do carry. Um, I'll leave it right, at that, right. and it'll be exciting to uh, to be able to finally show the world what we've been working on. That's awesome. Do you, so in the documentary, do you guys talk about COVID and how it had a plot? So I have a theory about why everything exploded and how COVID played into that. Um, so one, you I'll guys talk about of, that. One of the questions that we ask everybody in the film is, do you think COVID has played a, a role in the uptick in the hobby? Um, I'm a firm believer in COVID probably made this made this train leave the station and, and, and go fast. Right. And I think when sports came back, everybody's main concern was, all right, well, the real thing's back. This is over. I right. think it spiked it even more because of the fact of now we could watch these investments we could yep. watch the players that were ripping cards to hit or buying singles up. And now we could watch the investment start to grow because they couldn't grow during COVID as they weren't performing. Right. It was, a, it was, it was really almost like, I don't know if you're, so I used to buy and sell and collect sneakers pretty heavy and then streetwear like Supreme um, and some other brands and stuff. So, so my, my theory and what, what I think happened was, is uh, how old are you, George, by the way? 30. I'm 30. 30, right? So, so I'm 39. But uh, 
a, a lot of guys our age, right? So late 20s, 30s, or 40s, and then even older before COVID, I, I never realized the amount of money that people were spending betting on sports. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's not it's not a couple hundred bucks a day. It's thousands, right? And uh, so when COVID hit and those guys couldn't bet on sports, you even had people like me where I was already back into cards by then, but I was just like, man, I'm going to start investing and buying and stuff that I wanted as a kid. It just made me think like, oh, comic books, baseball cards, things that I wanted that I didn't even think about getting. And then COVID happened and I was, I just had a complete shift. And it seems like the whole world did, right? Especially with cards. So it just made like this hype, hype train of frenzy. And then, you know, and then sports came back, like you said, and then we saw it correct. The market kind of corrected itself a little bit, but yeah. well, it, it's still that whole exploding. Market, every, every, yeah. All the high, the high end stuff has not struggled at all. High end no. cards have only continued to go up. And uh, just to touch on, like, those guys that were my – like, they still are my best friends. They're back home in New York. Um, shout out to, to Vinny Tingos and, and my buddy Marco Boschnack. They, uh, you know, they, they were big gamblers. These guys love to gamble. Right. We're, not, yep. we're not talking about, like, they're betting 100. They're betting, you know, two, 3,000 a day. I, I hate to throw their business out there, but, uh, you know, they, they know what no, it is. No, but that's – right, right, right. And, that, yeah, it's – but it's it's normal. People don't think about that. I, I never did. And then once all this exploded, I was like, damn, I didn't realize how much money people were just – I mean, God, New York, when as soon as they got sports betting, they broke the all-time record. What was it, 50, 40 million in a day? It was – it's and they did like $3.1 billion in the first month. And like mm-hmm. Jersey used to get hyped up for doing like $800 million. And, right. I, you know, we're, on Sunday mornings, like we prefer to legally gamble. So you drive into Jersey before New York got legalized, and like right. there's a gas station right over the bridge, and there's cars everywhere. They're all sitting there yeah. betting on their phones. Like So, you know, legalized gambling is – there's a lot of money, obviously, and, and they don't legalize it for no reason. But I think it carries over into our industry here where um, I'm convinced that 95% of the business is a gambler. Um, whether it's oh, yeah. they're a degenerate gambler, a casual gambler, or, you know, like, you know, the passive gambler who plays enough. Everybody and, gambles. And anybody that's ripping wax, right, um, they're, they're gambling, whether they want to believe it or not. It's 100%. Unless you're buying singles, it's just straight-up gambling. Well, during COVID, I remember they had these, like, on Twitch, they had these simulated video games. And they would put out lines, like, on DraftKings and FanDuel. Really? And my buddies were betting, like, simulated Madden games and simulated MLB (laughs) The Show games. And I'm just sitting here, I'm like, I think that's where I draw the line, you know? Like, the line's been drawn for me. But this is what people, like, you know – I watch the way some, some people open up, you know, wax, and I, I've been there myself, and I like to think that I've I've come over that hump a little bit. Um, it's sickening to watch, like, the amount of money that could just get ripped on one table in one night, and you don't hit anything. You know, right. you're not guaranteed anything. Um, no. I'm out, I'm out in L.A. right now. My partner, he has the bug, and he loves to rip, and, you know, we ripped the other night, and he did a, a case of NT football, Herbert Burrow year, uh, two loose boxes, first off the line NT, and a couple Wanda Franco boxes, and a case of Bowman Chrome. We hit a Wanda Franco blue in the first box. Nice. We up 25 grand at that point. He ripped 30 grand of wax following that. I think we sent one or two cards to grading. So you, right, you, right, you, right, you right. never get, you're never guaranteed anything. And those cards that went to grading were like not very good cards. So, you know, like you start up 25 and you just, you find a way to like just crash it down. Like if you hit the big card, like if there's one piece of advice I want to give people, right? If you hit a big card in the first box, you rip it. at some point, just hang it up, walk, yeah. hit it, hit it and quit it. It don't get much better than that. It really doesn't. And no. it's hard to, it's hard to walk. I, I know the feeling of like, you know, it's all the box on the table. I love the saying, oh, you never leave the last box. If you hit the big card already, leave the last box. Cause the likelihood 100%. is, you're not going to hit something in the box, you know? Yeah, it's uh, just like with gambling at the casino. It's hard to have that self-reflection to look to be like, I'm good. I need to walk away. Yeah, Especially, you know, I mean, you hit a wander off the bat. I, I mean, I'm sure it's like, dude, we're hot. Let's keep it going. Well, and, and you know, I, I'm trying to talk him off the ledge at that point, And he's like, who cares? It's a free roll. I'm like, I love you, bro. But, you know, it's uh, we're supposed to walk out winners. not. And, but that's the problem right, right. with it. It's. It's so hard to to hang it up a lot of times. And, you know, for, you know, 
a lot of guys, it's it's fun. We enjoy it. Like so, if yeah, you don't if you don't look at it in a way where it's dollars and cents and it's enjoyment, that's different. But I know a lot of guys that you know they shoot their load, and I'm like, hey, you know, you doing all right? I kind of spent all my money last night breaking cards. I'm like, you know, this is not my problem. I'm talking about just people in general that right, I talk right, to a right. lot of times, and you know, I rip in spurts. If people see like I'm not there every night. But you'll see me out of nowhere go two or three nights in a row where, you know, I, I rip a lot. You know, usually that means a big card of mine has just got sold and I'm bored. You know, like, you know, I'm looking for something to replace right. the, you know, the void of what I just sold in my collection. And Well, you know, I think, uh, yeah, and, and you can be smart about it. Like, uh, the people that listen, I say this all the time, right? So, like, prison football is coming out. Um depending on how the Jags are priced. If, if the Jags, like the last couple of years, the big quarterback, the big quarterbacks, their teams have been priced pretty much like right around uh, one box of prism. Right. So to me, that's a worthy investment or a risk because it's like, yeah, sure. I will pay for the Jags. Um, it might be 1500 bucks, but at least I'll have 12 boxes to get every Trevor Lawrence I can. Correct. As opposed, as opposed to me opening one box and getting zero. Cause I, Zion's rookie year, I opened four boxes of Prism Hobby before it exploded. I got two base jaw and two base Zion out of four hobby boxes. That was it. And I was I, like, I, I'm never doing this again. No, <laughs> another thing I, I'll tell you this, you know, I don't like to rip loose boxes. And that's not always an option for a lot of people, but you make a great point there where if you're gonna buy one box, pick a horse, say it's Lawrence. Say it's Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Fields, whoever, Mac Jones, whoever it's going to be, just buy into a case break. Because one thing that a lot of people, and you know, a lot of my breaker buddies are probably going to get upset with me for saying that, but saying this, but you know, they're loose boxes for a reason. Yeah. A case hit usually comes out, and then these boxes they die on the table. You know, yep. if a if a one of one or a gold comes out, people now know that the case hits. You know, and I'm talking about like football, basketball products. Because you know at that point, National Treasures. If there's a loose box sitting out there, yeah, you never know. There might be the big RPA in there. But the likelihood is the RPA already came out of the case, and that box is now loose for a reason. Sealed right. cases create crate hits, create case hits. Always, when it comes to Panini products. And, you know, I try and stay away from those loose boxes. You know, you got football coming out. Like you said, that's, that's an insanely good point. And, and I appreciate somebody saying stuff like that because – it, it's it's educated. You want to take educated risks if you're going to rip. Like right. I said, you the, the 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 most likely chance is you're going to lose. That's what you yes. got to know. Yeah, the odds are always stacked against you. In a Completely. big way. I I cannot believe the prices of the Prism WWE like at all. It doesn't even make any sense. So I come from Staten Island, and my crew oh, back home. You? Yeah. So like my crew back home. Um, my partner's G Sports Guards, his name is Gennaro. Uh, his right-hand man, who's our other breaker, his name is Danny, Greatest City Collectibles. Just want to make sure I shout all these guys out. And then my nephew, yeah, the card barn, his name is Chance. Um, he's a UFC man, specialist. I, I tried to go there uh, last month when I was in New York for a week, and their times were all screwed up, and I couldn't get into the shop. So, so like, truthfully, the card barn has become it's, – it, it's like a break house. It's not really a store, but it's advertised as a store. Um, three companies, they all work out of there. So, um, G sports cards, the card barn, and then you have the company greatest city collectibles. They all work out of this one spot. Um, right. but they're all, they're all wrestling dudes. So like these dudes were so hyped up for this prism and they were making fun of me. Cause I was like, I just don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand it, but I was, in, I was intrigued to see what was going to happen yesterday. And you know, they, they, these cards start getting hit and they go on eBay John Cena color blast was at 10k with like three days left, and so, they're selling. Yeah, the ROI. Oh, is oh, oh, oh. So my my buddy Brandon, he goes by uh, Bro Namath on Instagram, and then Rob. Of course, yeah. Um, uh, my buddy Rob, he's Friar Sports Cards. They hit a, a Andre the Giant to 10 yesterday out of one box. They put it on eBay for eight grand. Someone paid for it immediately, and yeah. then people were DMing them on Instagram saying, "I'll give you 10 grand for it right now." And they were like, "What the hell is going on?" So you know? my. My buddy Jack Fractor, who's a massive collector, he's like the biggest Herbert collector in the business. Um, he was amped up for the wrestling. And I'm like, he buys, you know, six-figure Herbert cards. The hell does he want to do with wrestling cards? Right. right. And 
I call him. I ask him. He's like, dude, you don't understand. He's going to be big. Like, He's like the one-of-one one rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin, like the black prison. He's like, I think it's going to do anywhere from a quarter million to a half a million. And, you know, look, value is value. You don't collect. Right. If, if, you're, if you're in this game to make money, you're not collecting because it's a sport you enjoy. You're collecting it because there's a big ROI. I bet you right. a lot of guys who, who collected F1 last year never watched an F1 race, but they knew Hamilton and Leclerc and, and Verstappen. Those guys, they, right. they sold. They would sell, so they would rip the wax. And I, I see it with baseball all the time. Guys rip baseball, they literally have no idea what they're ripping. Right, right. No idea who they're hitting. And I get I get frustrated because, like, Bowman's my bread and butter. I love Bowman first cards. Same. A lot, yep. of, a lot of times guys hit cards, and they just don't even know what they hit. And they're just so, like, overpriced on what they want. And they want to sell it. Like, for example, a guy hit a, a Jordan Lola uh, orange. A couple couple days after release day, and I knew the magnitude of the card, and you know I made him an offer of a five k raw, and it was before anything you know happened like right. that. Guys, like I'll take twenty five thousand, um, or, or no dice. What? The card sold at a PSA ten for fucking excuse my language for twelve thousand. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like, you know, come on, my man. Like it's, you know, yeah. I'm always fair. Like I'm always trying to offer people fair fair numbers, and my whole thing is. I, I say this to everybody all the time. Uh, the people who hit the big cards sometimes, they land in the wrong hands. They yeah. land in the hands of people who are behind and they've spent a lot of money and they're just chasing cards. Uh, or people that just don't know anything about the cards. And, you right. know, they throw right. it they throw it in a pile and they leave it there for a couple of years. Yeah, that's but, like uh, – I always, I always go after the guys. I, I don't know. Like I have a little system of how I pick like the underrated prospects. Like I was big on Tovar and not a lot of people were – um Julio Carreras, he's like a guy on the Rockies that not a lot mm -hmm. of people even Shortstop. are thinking about. Right. Yeah. And uh, but but that I bought the true red, the non-auto for like a hundred bucks on eBay. And then um the to five red, the true red is on eBay for six fifty. And I'm like, dude, give me a break. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh two fifty I still think I'm overpaying. And he's like, nah, I'm at six fifty or nothing. And I'm just like <laughs> All right. well, that whole that whole red market has just gone stupid at this point, and right. it, it's it's basically, you know, I got I got I kind of saw it coming in a way. I got roasted a couple months ago. I bought the red Anthony Volpe, true red, yep. um, in like February, and I paid a substantial amount of money for it. Um, and people were just like bugging out on me. They're like, well, "Are you are you stupid?" And I was like, "These reds go like they they sell and." If you look at what some of the other ones have sold for, you know the value's there. If you're a top twenty prospect, and you know, and you play for the Yankees, and yeah, you know, you grew up a hometown kid. You're a Yankee diehard Yankee fan. You know, I, I just I, I seen the value. I know he's a talented player, but I saw the value, and now you know we're a couple of days away here. Golden Auctions has the PSA ten up. You know, it's at one hundred and five grand. And if you know about Golden on Saturdays, they they start to oh. move those cards. Yeah. yeah, it'll steep, and, it'll keep it'll keep getting more time, more time. And all all the big dogs I talk to are like it's going for one sixty to two twenty. So for the substantial amount of money I played two months ago, it's nothing in comparison to what it's going what for. What it's now. gonna go for? Yeah, for sure, Correct. for sure. You so know, so yeah. you grew up in Staten Island. I grew up in Staten Island. I lived in Los Angeles for uh, for ten years from like my early twenties uh, through <clears> today. <throat> So when I was in Staten Island the first time, it was uh, it was like 2007 to 10, somewhere in there. And uh, there's an Italian grocery store. I don't, I don't want to say the name of the grocery store. There's a few of them on the island. And uh, I remember one day I opened the paper and it was like local grocery store gets busted for like $20 million gambling ring. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, I, I could have been placing bets this whole time. I'm getting my cold cuts. I didn't even know, you know. And uh, so I go in there to get like whatever pasta salad chicken cutlets whatever for the weekend you know and i'm talking to the dude at the deli i'm like damn bro you never told me i could be placing bets and he was like he like looks around he's like you still can he's like what do you what do you want to bet on and i was like what are you talking about you guys are in the paper today for this and he's like yeah it's no big deal like what what do you want to do and i was just like nothing it's a, it's a slap on the wrist that's all it is it's a slap on the wrist you know it was just um, unbelievable staten island's an old school place I, i'll tell you that you know it's uh it it hasn't caught up to the rest of the world in the sense of how things get done, you know. We'll leave it at that. I don't 
I won't elaborate on it because I still, you know, I have a place uh, there and I'm yeah, very yeah, close yeah. with a lot of people there. Uh, I know no, the exact place you're talking about. And uh, it's actually funny. It's right around the block from the card barn. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Staten Island, like New York in a whole, but like Staten Island is like one of the only places still in the world where they're like, they're like nah, no debit or credit, cash or nothing. Everything's cash, cash or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or you're not getting service. So it, it's crazy. And uh, a lot of guys back there who I try telling them like what's going on in the industry, it's just like they take daily, like, are you serious? Like, this is what's this is what you're doing? Like, I'm like, yeah, man, this is, you know, because I, my primarily, my, my primary, you know, business is insurance. Yeah. So I'm a part of two big insurance practices that, you know, we sell everything from, you know, house like homeowners insurance to auto insurance life insurance annuities so i go from that world into filmmaking and now i'm, I'm a card collector and the people in my other worlds they're just like i don't get it and then i start telling right. them about it like how do i get involved you don't you know like you just it's not usually you know it, it's not something you want to just jump into no. blindly you'll get you'll right. get hurt what well, up? So, so you're are you still in insurance? Because I got a couple of questions I want to ask you if you are. Yeah, I am. So so a, a card shop, you already you already mentioned them earlier, so I don't want you to say anything to like sour any relationships or anything, but a, a pretty big card shop or breaker got broken into yesterday, right? They're good they're good buddies of mine. Right. And so you can I, speak about it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know them at all, right? But I just when I see things, I don't question everything, right? But so they got their their shop broken into. They posted the videos and the photos, and and I genuinely felt bad for them. I reposted their posts because I'm like, damn, this is shitty. But then they immediately posted a Go GoFundMe link to like donate 150k, and I was like, yo, what is that all about? Like, and and you know, it's like if you're asking for that kind of money, to me, I'm like, like, do you have insurance number one? And then like, I I need a little more details before I give you my hard earned money. For business so, where you're essentially like I'll, I'll making say a shit ton of money. I'll say this and I'm I'm an open book, right? Yeah, yeah. Um when I saw that, my initial reaction was they must not have insurance. Right. But at the same time, when you look, we all know what's what. There are, you know, handfuls of breakers that that make the most money. Um when you make that kind of money they make. You're in no position to ask for a GoFundMe. In right. no in no position. And right. I'd be the first right. one to tell them. And again, I didn't reach out to say anything, you know, about it because it's not my business. If they were to contact me, that's what I sure. would tell them. Um, but again, my initial reaction is they don't have insurance. Because anybody right. who's asking for that kind of, you know, that kind of money is, you know, is probably in a position where, you know, they're trying to get back what they lost. But you can't ask for that when you are who you are. Right. Well, and that's what, that's what I thought it was weird. Too. And it, it was a couple of weird things. Right. And that like my buddy, Justin, he's actually a filmmaker. Um, he's in Qatar. So he just, he filmed with me Tuesday. Um, and, and we were just saying like, it's just kind of, if they would have had to go fund me like next week and they're like, listen, uh, we lost this money. We didn't have insurance. Um, we got, our kids are going to, we're going to lose our house or whatever it is. Like, then I'd be like, uh, maybe it's still not justified, but still at least that's like a reason to be like, yo, here's a hundred bucks or whatever. Like, I'm sorry it happened to your shop. But then like in that video, it's like, there's no video of the front. There's no video of the parking lot. They didn't take any of their Kobe cards. So it was just like, I'm like, man, I don't really know what's going on. But I, what I wanted to ask you though, from like an insurance standpoint, like if they were insured, would the underwriter require certain security measures for that amount of product? So it's, it's, it's a really good question. Um, I don't know exactly how the underwriters handle the collectible side of the business. Right. Uh, it's obviously a, a one-off type of uh, insurance. It's not yeah. your everyday type of insurance that people are writing. Uh, in my experiences working in the world of insurance, they're definitely going to want to know they want to see the angle in. They're going to want to see the angle out and both in. And if you don't have that, it goes down to a standard, you know, they make, they're going to file their, you know, their, their hearings of it. What happened, right. they'll take their time to basically run their investigation at that point, make a ruling. And, you know, I got to think that they're smart enough to have insurance. Um, 
But you make a great point, and and again, I don't want to speculate on things. That, right, 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 right. Of who they are, because they're 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 good men, and they they run a very, you know, a clean business. They don't do anything that's outside the lines, and you know, I've always appreciated them, and they've always yeah, been but respectful for me. It's just you know, it, it's something that we're seeing more and more often, and you know, you make great points. You know, why wasn't those Kobe cards taken? Well, and, and well, not only that, it's like, you know, and, and I was already looking at the video and stuff, like just with my background, I'm like, yo, they got a regular glass door. Like, that so yeah, not- that place, if you were going to break into somewhere like, and I'm in LA all the time. So Mamba, Bullpen, Burbank, you know, Frank and Sons, you, Mamba would be the easiest place because they're in a, they're in a private office that, you know, it, it wasn't that hard. It's not much different right, right, than the right. door that's. The door that's right over, behind you. Over that, yeah, 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 like, yeah. you know, like, and again, I will say this to comment on the Kobe Bryant cards, right? And all that stuff. You can't steal cards these days. No. If someone's yeah, going to steal a card, you can't steal a card because of the fact that everything's serial numbered, whether it's right. on the card or on the grade. Um, that's why I, I kind of think this, this industry is pretty cool. That's because a good point. Yeah. You really can't get, you know, you can get robbed of a card like an 86 Fleer, but or a silver Luca or a card that's not numbered, but luckily not many cards these days are valuable that aren't numbered is, you know, just the old school vintage stuff and, and the silvers, you know, really like that's, that's it. You're never going to get away with stealing an RPA with a colored prism, a colored optic card. It it won't work that way. A flawless card, you know, it's, it's almost impossible. Yeah, I think too, and then we, you know, and Justin and I were talking. It it must be hard to insure something like that too, just because of the sheer volume of wax that they rip, you know? Because it's like, what do you do? You'd have to take out like a blanket policy, I guess. You would probably take out that, like a twenty, thirty million dollar policy at that. Point. Yeah, because you can't, because you can't really be, you know. There's no way to itemize that every day and update the insurance company. Like we have this much coming in, we have this much coming out, you know. Like I don't, it'd have to just be I, a blanket, like you said. Yeah, I would say it's. They were fortunate that it wasn't peak season where, you know, there was 30 cases of flawless sitting there and cases and cases of NT sitting there. You know, it's it's kind of a weak part of the year for basketball as we're right. waiting for the new the new classes products to come out. Um, I'll tell you this. I, I had a good laugh on the fact that these people didn't take the Bowman Chrome stuff. Like, how disrespectful right. could you be to the baseball team? <laughs> yeah, seriously, you know what I, seriously. You know what yeah, I mean? and, I th- and I think, I mean, and to their credit, like Mamba, they, they took the GoFundMe down. And they were, like, copy and pasting, like, uh, well, I'll say this, answered you know, everybody. One of, but One of the groups that decided to attack them first was Backyard Breaks. And I'm not one to slander people, and I'm not going to slander them at all, but the nerve on them to even be the people to, to say something like that – if they're listening, you guys are jackasses because you shouldn't be the ones speaking speaking oh, on behalf man. of the hobby. That so when they when they posted that whole thing with the uh, was it the kaboom right kaboom was it the Trevor Lawrence kaboom yeah the, the gold kaboom I, I like I I commented on their post and was like but it it wasn't your card to even give away or to you know and then like all their followers like I must have had I don't even know how many messages of people that were just like what are you talking about I was like what are you guys talking about. Like that, that whole scenario was crazy. And it was, like you said, uh, the hobby man, it, it loves the drama. But even like, I think it was last week that guy, his friend, I don't know if you saw this. So, a guy's friend sold a Jordan card for the serial number on the card, not the value of the card. Um, and then the guy made an Instagram post and everyone re- was reposting it saying, like, I sold this card. My friend sold this card for me for 1300 instead of 7000 Please help me get it back. And then, you know, and then people, a lot of people were debating, like, should the guy give the card back, the guy that bought the card? You know what I mean? Right. Like, if he, if he knew it was worth seven, he paid 1300 and then he got over on the guy, this and that. And I was like, eh, it's kind of like if you fuck up. To me, it's like, nah, you fucked up by putting the serial number on there. Like, right. And, and why didn't your friend just call you and be like, yo, how much is this? Like, were you that busy at the damn card show? But the thing that got me was like, after the guy brought the card back, Cause he felt pressured to right by social media and stuff. And that's why I was wondering too. I'm like, I wonder if the original seller pressured him at all. So that guy made a post that was like, this guy has a podcast and a show. And he pretty much was like, I'm going to ruin you through social media. If you don't give me my damn card back. And I was like, I would have been like, dude, fuck you. For real. And, and you know what the, 
I'll tell you one thing that I've I've approached this hobby in this way, right? I've gotten abused a few times early on by being the nice guy. And I mentioned to you, you know, where I come from, you know, and you spent some time there. So, you know, the aura of how people in that area and yep. just general, general New Yorkers in, in, in general. Right. Um, a lot of people are tough guys through the phone and they oh, like yeah. to talk a big game. And when I find you at a card show and I let you know uh, who I am and, and I remember I remind you on how you spoke to my friend or how you treated a buddy of mine and how you, you know, took advantage of somebody like, you know, my partner is the most innocent guy in the business right and he rips a ton a ton of wax and people that was the dallas card show three weeks ago okay or a month ago excuse me and he was about to buy an anthony edwards rpa it was the uh first off the line to 24 and the guy had him at a sixty-five thousand dollar valuation the card had just sold for 37.5 a couple nights before but it was on alt and my buddy doesn't use alt and he was just trying to get an rpa and all this stuff but the fact that somebody would try and take the guy for an extra 33000 or 26000 whatever it was, you know, and I see that all the time. And I let people know I'm, I'm here to police the hobby. This film I made was here to, to better the hobby. My whole goal behind it is to grow this thing forever. So if you're going to be the guy who tries to ruin it by giving somebody a bad experience, take advantage of somebody's pockets, um, you know, abuse somebody in, in a sense of lying to them, whether, you know, a classic thing is case hits alive and somebody rips the last four boxes. Meanwhile, a gold came out two nights before, you know, like, right. right. I, I'm going to be the guy that tells you and like, I'm going to be the guy who steps to you. And through my experiences, not many people want to deal with that. And, and I'm not saying I'm this big, tough guy and I'm going to beat you up. That's not what I'm saying. Is no, I'm but what's right is right. Yeah, what, correct. I'm going to I'm going to protect the people who can't protect themselves. And that happens to be a lot of people in this industry who, you know, look, a lot of people hide behind phones and, and, and they, they play this game through a virtual world. And then when you get in these, these, these card shows, these conventions, it's a different fucking arena, man. And it, the best way for me to describe it, it's like walking through the stock exchange, you know, right after the bell rings. And, and that's what it's like. And it's, you know, it's yeah. every man for himself. And yeah. if you don't, you don't protect yourself, you will get taken advantage of. And that's something oh, that I've tried to do. Yeah. Like, you know, guys like, like we've mentioned, backyard breaks want to be the one to say something to Mamba about a GoFundMe, you know, that's a crock of shit because they got let off the hook for the giving away the card thing. And, and, you know, that's like, that's like almost like a guy like Card Kahuna coming out and trying to tell Mamba on how to do that. Like, just keep quiet, guys. Yeah, keep yeah, quiet. yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, there's, there's plenty of good guys in the industry who are, who are, who are here to protect the, the, the integrity of what we're doing. I, yeah. They're not one. Uh, of them. But no, nah, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you go to a card show and it's like, some of these guys, I'm like, yo, do you guys know what the internet is and that I can check comps on my phone? Why are you charging? Like, do you not want to move that card? It's mind blowing to me because I've only set up twice, right, in the last year. And when I'm at the card show, whatever's in my case, I'm trying to move it. You know what I mean? So if sure. you're like, if you're at 80% or 75% and you're like, yo, I got cash, I'm like, yo, we're good. Take the card. Yeah. It's yours. Have it. Another thing that people don't realize. And this is like a classic one, right? Like, say it's a ten thousand dollar card. People need to get as close to that ten thousand as possible. It doesn't work that way. So you have a market, and when you want to sell something at a show, you want to get full value. Go on eBay, but you're never going to get full value after fees, right. taxes, and all that stuff. You're probably going to be around eighty five percent. So why not take the cash at eighty percent right. and keep it moving? But everybody has this false understanding that. You have to get full evaluation. It does right. not work yeah. that way. There's, there's, there's like certain things that you can, right? Like we were talking about, like the Bowman Reds, the oranges, depending on the player. For whatever reason, like uh, crazy numbered LeBron stuff. There's like a huge right. market in in China and Japan where those guys will pay over, but it's got to be through eBay. You know what I mean? Right. Like nobody's, nobody's wiring you cash um, from Japan to send a card. So. And again, there's those one-off situations where yeah. there's a card that, like, look, when I went and got the Volpe, I'll tell you the story about this, right? So I knew the guy was going to have the card. I had it scoped out for weeks. I knew he was coming in for a show. It was at I Play America in New Jersey, and I prepared to overpay for it because I figured he wasn't going to be interested in even selling it. So I got right. to his table, and I made my offer, and he was like, he was like, fuck, man, like that's, that's a strong offer. And I was like, yeah, I'm not here to play around. He gave me his number. I went 20K over his ask just to get the card. 
And right. Those are the types of cards that people will do that for. Like a jersey number, uh, NT. Basically, you name your price. Like if it's a pro, it's a, if it's a primo player, you're gonna name your price. And you know, Bowman Reds, Super Fractors, uh, you know, stuff that's super rare. LeBron James RPAs, like you know, I an exquisite. Those are the cards. Like not the, you know. The Zion, you know, silver, like you, you're not right. getting full comp. And if you think yeah. you're getting full comp, you know, what we say back home, you're on dust. Like it's not going to work. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good yeah. luck with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Zion, uh, Prism, PSA 10s are never going to be $800 again. Like that's Absolutely. not going to ever happen. No. And to and the people that, I... that got caught up in it, I'm sorry, but the base, you know, the common cards are not what collectors want in, in any way. No, and it's uh, and you know, and they always talk about the junk wax error, and like we, I bet you could compare the numbers from there and now, which I don't think anyone has, but like, I just posted a PSA ten Bowman Lebron uh, rookie PSA ten, right? The pop count is less than five hundred. I would rather have that card than pretty much any Zion at this point, personally. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's not even so. a personal preference. It's that's the better play than this the, the base Zion, you know. Uh, you know, any Zion, really, <laughs> at this point. Of course. It's all so overpopulated yes. outside of the NTs, you know. Um, we mentioned earlier that you you like to collect Bowman cards as well. Um, I'm just curious, as a fellow Yankee fan, you said you made a couple of Torres plays. Who else are you investing in right now? Um, Not that many Yankees, guys. It's funny because, you know, you could um, – people were like throwing Volpe to the side, you know, that year that Bowman came out just because everyone was chasing Dominguez. Uh, Brandon actually sent me a base Volpe because he knew I was a Yankees fan. Um, and I think I sold it for like 400 bucks raw. This I just found it like uh, two months ago. I was like, Oh, I do have a Volpe, but it wasn't, it wasn't worth grading. Um, but that's pretty much it. Like I'm, I'm big on Tovar. I like the Shailen Polanco guy. Um, Trying to think who else. The the kid from the Nationals, uh, is it Cruz? Yeah, Cruz. Armando um, Cruz. Yep. Uh I didn't I didn't get in to see Hearn just because his his prices went through the roof right away. I got a gold um non-auto at PSA right now. I'm trying to think who else. Uh I got a blue Colmenares at PSA, and I got a, a Victor Costa blue at PSA. But um, but yeah, I, I went with Tovar just because I, I hit him in a in a break. Um, not a break. I opened a box. I got a Tovar, and I'm like, who is this kid? And then one of the guys from Bullpen actually posted about him. So then I started reading into him a little bit more, and I was like, oh, this seems like a good play. He's he's with a horrible organization, the Rockies, as far as prospects go. But, I mean, yeah. they've got some they've got some big prospects. I mean, Veen's there. Montgomery's there now. Um, the Yankees are organizations- doing great. Some of these organizations are loaded with prospects right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Yankees have five guys that I think are, are serious. The Cubs have the Cubs have like 10 players that, you know, any one of those guys are going to pop. The Dodgers are strong. The Mariners are strong. Uh, the, the Rays, the Ra- the Rays yeah, are the always Rays. strong. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing Cardinals. with the Yankees, the only thing that scares me with the Yankees is uh, we'll see how they develop. Um, Dominguez Volpe seems to be doing it on his own, right? That's what that's my perspective because he came out of nowhere. There's, I don't think there's too many people within the Yankees organization knew that this kid was gonna project to where he is now, you know what I mean? No. When they dra- when they drafted him, they didn't think two years down the road he's gonna be their number one prospect. So, I don't think, I don't think anybody in baseball thought that. So, right, so that's why I, I just that's the only thing that worries me because Andujar was supposed to be the guy forever. And they and he's been up and down, up and down, you know. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think Volpe is a pretty safe bet, you know. And I don't Especially even. For your I, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm into so much of his stuff for so cheap because last yeah. year he was the guy I picked, and I just went with a homer. And, and I looked at the fact that you know grew up a diehard Yankee fan, and he made the 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 comment before draft night. Uh, I'm going to go to Vanderbilt unless the Yankees draft me, and the Yankees drafted him, and you know. He signed this two point, you know, two point four million dollars signing bonus, and it's all history now. And he's not the guy that like you watch Bobby Witt and you go, all right, well, he's got that superior bat, and Bobby Witt can play the field. He Volpe has no true plus tool. Like he's right. just above average at every at everything. And you know, I grew up a you know a big Yankee fan, right? Like Derek Jeter never really had that one tool that he was the best yeah. at, right? It was he was just 
he was above average at everything, and he was a great clubhouse guy, and he got the job done and, and in, a, in a big way. And, you know, look, I'm not comparing him to Derek Jeter, but I am comparing him to Derek Jeter. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little too soon. It's a too soon for that. Right. You know, Jeter, Jeter always had the clutch factor, you know what I mean? And that's something you can't scout or account for. Um, well, I've been, saying for, so good. I've been saying for the last, you know, three months – to all my baseball guys, like I call all the, the Bowman dudes, I call them Chromies. Like these are my Chromies, you know, like everybody right. loves the Bowman. We like the prospect. I've been saying in the next, you know, in five years from now, we're going to say Bobby Witt and then the rest of these players, Acuna, Soto, Tatis, whether it's J-Rod or Torque or a Volpe or, you know, a Jordan Walker or C.J. Abrams, whoever the, this next group of guys is going to be, Bobby Witt might be the best baseball player we see in this generation. And uh, I watched him tonight. Today, he got up in the uh, in the eighth inning, knocked in a double. Had to clutch the game. it, yep. Big plays, so, make big plays, you know. So, just, uh, so Bobby's going to come on the podcast. When he does, I'll, I'll have you on too. That'd be epic. So my family's actually out in Kansas City right now. Uh, so my my uncle played ball with him with him with his with his old man at Oklahoma, and it was like a you know this was they didn't understand like for me like. Like, why are you so excited about this this kid getting called up? I'm like, right. I'm, I'm like Uncle Mike. Like, his baseball cards are big money. It's like, how? He hasn't played yet. So I started explaining to them like the whole process, and let's see if I could show it in the screen. If I could find the screen, uh, let's let me, let me yeah, center. Come back. Yep, there you go. Let me pull it up. So, this is my godfather and Bobby last night before the game. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. So like, they're out there in Kansas City today, all excited about. You got, you got muted somehow. Did it connect to your phone? Can oh, you hear me? Yeah, I got you back. One you said they're, they're, they're excited. It's all, hang on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Hang on. You should be able to hear me better now. I got, I got yep, I got you. Did the uh, the headphones die? Got a, got a little technical difficulties. We're good. So your your voice is all choppy now. I don't know what happened. Oh, is it? Shoot. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I, I can. I like uh, everything's coming clear on my end. Hang on, hang on. Uh, Should I mute mine and uh, unmute it? How's shoot. that? Is that any better? I can't. I can't hear you now for some reason. Let me see. Huh. Did it connect to your phone? Yeah, I'm going to try and connect to my phone. Let me see. One second. I'm sorry. We're having such a great conversation at the same time. No, 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 you're good. It's it's technology. Let me see. I always say I'm going to edit this out, but I usually just leave it in. <laughs> all right. Hang on. Can you hear me at all, or, or is it choppy? I'm going to hop in on my phone. Okay. Yeah, see if it works. You might have to boot you from this other one, though. All right, hold on. I'm going to have to. There we go. All right. You should be able to hear me now. I'm sorry yeah, about I got that. Yeah, I Nah, nah, you're good. You're good. What, uh. So they, they went to the game today. Your uncle? They were at the game today. Yeah, and they were, uh, you know, they were, it was an exciting day because, again, like you know, up until a couple of days ago, they didn't know he was going to start with the team. Right. You know, for years and years, they they didn't call these guys up until like the middle of May. Well, and they don't usually call people up until they're like mid twenties. Correct. You know what I mean? Right. So that so me and Brandon had a conversation today because there's so many guys got called up and who's going to be the real deal or not and I was like you know Bobby Witt on 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 top of being a five tool plus player um he's groomed for this you know what I mean like this is his whole life um he knows the deal he knows the drill he knows how to be a professional baseball player so well he grew up the lineage is there his, his old right. man was a was a pro for you know 15 years and that's that's the thing that always grabs my attention is the lineage, the Tatis yep. lineage, you know, the, the Guerrero Jr. lineage. Uh, 
even the kid up in uh, in Toronto, Bo Bichette. Like, you know, th- these yep. guys, you know, their old mans were, were big time, you know, ball players. You know, even Biggio's son. It, there is, you know, there's there's always that. There's, these headphones yeah. it's just like crazy i can't connect anything um it's all right so you know that's the thing that you know i always look at when i'm investing in some of these bowman chrome kids is is the lineage that's that's been created like people always shocked that steph curry was as good as he is you know his old man was one of the most you know seasoned like veterans that played a very long career in the nba I'm, i mean some people his his dad didn't have a a stored career or fame career, but real basketball fans knew like he, he was one of the best three point shooters too. Also of all time, people don't put him in the same conversation as like Reggie Miller or even Larry bird, but Del Curry was a phenomenal three point shooter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it, it shouldn't have been too big of a surprise that his son could shoot it. I mean, even clay Thompson, his dad was a number one pick at one time. You know what I mean? So, right. And, and these um, people are shocked that these guys yeah. are as good as they are. I mean, it is. I, I wouldn't want that kind of pressure on me. You know what I mean? Like, but it's amazing that these guys are uh, even more talented than their fathers are, and then they come through on that talent with hard work and and put it it's, all together. It's it's all they they grew up doing. You know, a lot of these guys, right. you know, they grew up in whether it be in a, in a clubhouse, taking BP with big leaguers their whole life, or shooting threes in you know in, in pro arenas. It's you know, it's it's something that it prepares you for the moment a lot better than a kid who's who's going against it for the first time right right and that's uh, yeah and for bobby wood to get that clutch hit today it's amazing um it's amazing that he even got called up no no yeah i watched i until we jumped on i was watching that game and uh yeah he was locked in he didn't look nervous um yeah i thought he went deep in his first yeah like he he was ready to go without a doubt like and it's it's a testament to him and his hard work, you know, to play one minor league season and then get called up is phenomenal. That doesn't happen. And I, I think we're getting spoiled, you know, because even like even with Wander, it took Wander a couple seasons before he got called up. And people were just like, why isn't he called up yet? And I'm like, man, you guys don't know a lot about baseball. It never happens. It takes time. Way. It's a progression it game. There's four then, levels you know, they have to go through before they're ready. And even if you're an all-star, if you get hurt, they don't put you back in the lineup, you know, they put you down at, at single A, double A, triple A. And then they're like, all right, you're ready to come back and they bring you back up. So, you know, it's a, it's a, a long, and that's what's process. scary about collecting some of these kids, because if it doesn't work out, it just goes down immediately. Yep. Like guy like Kalenic last year was so expensive. And now like a year later, it's starting to pick steam up again, but you could have bought his stuff three months ago for, for nothing. Yeah, well, and that's and that's what uh, when people are talking about Seattle um, and their farm system, it, they, their farm system scares me. Even though they have J Rod's, you know, that he got called up, but it's like with Kalenic last year, they're so quick to be like, up, oh, he's going back down, up, oh, he's coming back up. And I'm like, dude, you guys are, you guys are the professionals, but I also feel like, man, you guys are ruining these guys' confidence too by just up and down, up and down. They're like some yeah. of it doesn't make any sense. Just you let, them let them work through it. it. Yeah, but it doesn't always work that way. No, but uh, you know, man, we've been talking for over an hour already. I know you said you got the game. Um, yeah, I was gonna just say to you, I was gonna say, look, I could sit here and talk to you for five hours. We talk about the hobby, we talk about baseball, you want to talk about sports in general. Like, I'll sit here and talk all day. Um, but we should definitely do this again. And like I said, I would love 100%. to have you at the premiere. It would uh, it would be awesome to have you there, and uh, be my uh, my pleasure to come back yeah, on whenever you yeah, want if you um send me the dates like we we love new york like i said you know my wife's from there so we we go a lot i it's weird i, I actually love it and miss it more than she does i think but uh but yeah let me know the details and i'd love to come up i'm sure vadim will be there um, uh, we we always put on a big show when the people come in you know we make sure we take care of our own yeah absolutely it was great and please come on anytime anytime you want to come on or like if you're like man i there's something I want to talk about. Let me know, and we'll, I'll jump on here anytime. I don't have a set schedule, you know what I mean. I do this for me, so I, I appreciate that, and I can't, yeah. I can't thank you enough. Showing me love, to have me on, and uh, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're gonna do this again. This was fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, George. Man, have a good night. I hope. Shohei, Same to you, brother. I, I show. I hope Shohei balls out tonight. I, really I hope do. he hits a home run. I bet him to hit a home run today. I <laughs> got gotcha. you. All right, All right. Man. be good, good man. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Peace.
thanks for listening to the Break of Wax podcast. Please, if you enjoyed it, share it. Um, send the link out. Put it on your story. I welcome all feedback and comments. Send me a message. Let me know what you're thinking about, what you want to talk about. And if you want to be a guest on the show, I answer all my DMs. I think it's weird when people don't. That's another story for another day. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate the support and all the love. Peace.